Today, we're talking about saying goodbye to our favorite shows. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and how to lay to rest a plot that you are so addicted to that you can't wait each week or during this time of lockdown you've binged 20 episodes a day of. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And as Chris talked about, today we're talking about endings. What is an ending? What's emotionally satisfying? What has ended? Lots, as it turns out. Yeah, since 2019, in the years 2019 and 2020, we've had, we've witnessed a lot of shows ending. We've we've witnessed a lot of things ending, you know, like normal life, um, democracy. <laughs> uh, but but animation-wise... Um, we hit pause on I, democracy. <laughs> I'm thinking that's big. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's on hiatus. Um, it's much like, the like Netflix, are you still watching? Right. Are you still watching? Do you watching? still want democracy? <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. So we've seen a lot of our favorite animated shows, and we've seen the end, the return and end of Clone Wars. We've seen the end of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, of Bojack Horseman, of Harvey Girls Forever. Um, Elena of Avalor just ended. Star versus the Forces of Evil ended. Tangled the series. We Bear Bears. Lots of endings. And we have a couple more that we're just going to talk about today. But we're yeah. not going to talk through how each of those shows ended necessarily. But as, as Mackenzie was saying, what makes a good ending? Or how do you even craft a satisfying end to these shows yeah. that you're that you're working on. I think for a long time for TV and animation in general was like things just ended. It was like mm. you were in a three-year relationship and then suddenly the person wouldn't text you back. Like, where where did this go? What happened? And you'll you'll never find out. You'll never get closure until 20 years later they invent Twitter and the creators start saying what they intended to do with gargoyles after it got canceled. Um, <laughs> not so that I'm fully we were <laughs> not no specific examples here. Um, <laughs> but I, I think for we were all used to just I think the approach to TV that a lot of executives and networks took was, well, if people watch things, that's great, and maybe they watch them in order, but they probably don't. And in the new world order of uh, at least TV and animated TV, we watch things in order. They show up in streaming services on order to watch at your leisure. Um, things get serialized. They have an ongoing plot. Like, so how, how do these things end if they get the chance to end? Things aren't just canceled or just end a lot of the time now. Yeah, I remember in... The 80s and 90s, it was very much, you you couldn't keep it. If it happened and you missed it, it was gone. If you didn't happen to get the VHS tape in the recorder, it was gone. You missed your opportunity. So those shows didn't come back unless it was reruns or syndication. And that was the big goal of a lot of these studios is to get to 100 so that way you can live forever. 100 episodes, that's all we need, and then we'll just live forever, and it will be like you're in this frozen time vortex or this bubble, much like the planet of Gallifrey, <laughs> just saved and preserved, and you're there. So Gallifrey's just, just my dad's VHS drawer? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. This makes sense. I mean, Gallifrey was also in there because he had the entire run of Doctor Who in that VHS drawer. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I don't remember very many 
shows having a final episode. I think the only one I really remember is ALF ending. Like, that's the final episode of ALF. We're finally closing the story. You didn't really close these stories on them. I remember distinctly the final episode of Darkwing Duck because that never got closure. So, because it got canceled before they can complete it. And I guess that's the big problem is, what if we get canceled before we can finish telling this story? Um, They did have some serialized moments. Uh, I think in DuckTales, they had some four-part episodes. Here's this four-part thing. Here's Super DuckTales, where we bring in Gizmo Duck. And it's four parts, and you get to watch them all in one night. Or if you missed it, we'll just let you know that it's part two at some other time when it airs out of order. Mm-hmm. But serialization was very, very rare. I, I love this idea of like the first final episode you remember, because it, it got me thinking. And I don't really remember a first final episode. For me, it might have been Dinosaurs, which is such a, a, a bummer of a final episode. Maybe oh, they just God. scarred me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember not knowing that that was the final episode and watching that and being like, did they just, spoilers, kill all of the dinosaurs? <laughs> like, did we just witness the end of Dinosaurs? It was in the early 90s where I was just being scarred by climate change things constantly anyway. There was Fern Gully, there was Dinosaurs, I was had like my own announcement at recess like please what cycle um it was a it was a dark time um but also like on this topic of like things not having resolution before streaming um you might have been too old for this at this point slash not in columbus um but i was just the right age where i was watching like all those kind of preteen, young teen shows like that's a good example batman beyond Ben in Black, mm. the series, all the stuff that was on WB. And any of our listeners in Columbus might remember the same drama of um, the local WB station decided they didn't want to run all the cartoons. They only wanted to run oh. some of them. And so they went to WB corporate and said, like, we just want to do some of these. And corporate said, all or nothing. So the local Columbus station was like, great, we're doing no cartoons anymore. <gasps> Oh, no. And so all these shows that I was in the middle of in the late 90s just, like, disappeared. Like, no resolution, didn't get to learn what happened. And then, like, years later, I think I caught the end of Batman Beyond on, like, Toonami in the mid-2000s or something. It's just such a traumatizing time. I was like, but Terry McGinnis, where is he? What's he up to? (laughs) Got taken away. And... It's this wow. whole different twist of like cancellation of like, it's out there. I know it exists. There is an ending. Like there is an ending in this case, or at least a final episode that I don't get to see. Oh, so, so what's the difference now beyond syndication? What, what is, what do we gain from being able to have endings that are events? I mean, in, in very many ways we have, the creators on Twitter announcing this is the final episode and doing live tweets with their fans of this is what we were thinking of. This is the experience of this ending and fans being able to in the moment react to and experience other people's reactions to these endings and these stories completing. Well, I think, I think corporations understand that it's, It's, it's a complete story. It's like a book. You're more, if you read a book and someone had ripped out the last five chapters, you're less inclined to have a positive reminiscence and nostalgia for that book and that story because you don't know how it ended. It just kind of stops. Hmm. And I think that's why things like, I think it's rare in animation for things to get like a moment to come back and wrap up and finish. Like we see this happening with other shows, um, not not kid friendly, even though our we talk a lot about kid friendly stuff here. But Sense Eight in live action um, sticks out as a thing where they canceled it, and there was such a fan outcry of like, "Okay, Netflix is going to give us two hours of a special to wrap up mm. the story." Um, and in animation, the one thing I can think of is the final season of Clone Wars that mm-hmm. came back. Of people know that there's a value in 
feeling good about a story years later and wanting to go back and rewatch it and wanting to engage with that content. So incorporation somewhere open to like, we have to have an ending somehow. We feel good about endings. They make us money. <laughs> so in that way, they somewhat care about the fans as consumers, if not as people who love something. Yeah, even if they're losing money on a show, I would hypothesize they will make more money long-term if it has a denouement than if it just ends. Hmm. That is, that is an interesting thing to think about. I'm tapping my, my forehead. You can't see it on the podcast. <laughs> so given that, let's talk through what kinds of... St- what kind of endings are satisfying? So just like we've talked about cliffhangers and satisfying cliffhangers, um, of that those fun categorizations, let's talk through endings and possibilities that you have. What, what categories of endings do we have? Specifically, category satisfying. <laughs> yes, in, in category satisfying, uh, I tried to think of like a number of shows that have ended in how those ended on a broad stroke level in that like high school English way of like man versus nature, man versus man, like types of storytelling. Like what, (laughs) what, what kinds of endings can we have? I think that there's uh, number one, a type of ending where the plot ends and the heroes go back to a normal life, almost as if like the movie ended in like a studio, like Ghibli kind of way of like, girl goes to magical world, has adventure, learns about herself, and goes back to normal world at the end. Your TV show can Mm. end that way, too. You have five heroes thrown together with magic powers at the beginning. They defeat the enemy, and they give up those magic powers and go back to their regular life. Things like that. Where the hero is changed, but their world is returned to normal. Yeah. Um, Over the Garden Wall is probably a good example of this that we've talked about previously Mm. as well. And that's, first of all, such a great miniseries, um, but it's it's very much a small encapsulation of this, but it starts in the middle of their journey already, but they return, spoilers. We should just say, this whole episode is about endings. It's a spoiler episode. Yeah. <laughs> There's no warning. It's just all spoilers. Uh, but over Garden the Wall, of course, over the Garden the Wall? Over the Garden Wall. <laughs> They return back to what we would call the normal world. And Elijah Wood goes back to being a good older brother. As I imagine he would be mm-hmm. in real life. In Austin, Texas. Um, so there's that one. Um, I think there's also beyond like the plot ending, there could be an emotional or uh, like character denouement. I had trouble articulating this, but something that mirrors... Um, the character growth. I was reading what many smart TV critics have written online in various blogs about endings of shows in preparation for this. And this one I think is drawn from um, my love of and Nigel's love of presumably still Lost, uh, where theoretically the world of Lost and the plot could probably continue past the end episode, but the characters we've come to know and love um, have an emotional denouement, the main character kind of has a mirror experience to the first episode and that arc is taken care of, even though maybe the threat to humanity and the world is not resolved. Or at least the the one in the show is resolved, but it's not like the problem goes away. It's like if you say, we have this magical device that can destroy the world and we defeated the villain who wanted to take that device, the show's over and then someone goes, but the device still exists. <laughs> like, yeah, someone else could come and use that device to destroy the world. Um, but the characters are resolved. Hmm. Um, maybe the same thing, maybe not. Um, I think there's an instance where the hero overcomes their biggest obstacle to date and presumably new stories in the vein of the show and in the world could keep going on forever. You could have the exact same show and it could keep going on but what you see in the last episode is the hero overcoming the greatest obstacle um and so you know that nothing no other additional story could ever be a challenge to this character they will do fine and you feel happy about that and this is great for like less 
serialized shows and more like episode of the week. Hmm. I know this is hard to articulate. So spoilers for shows we're going to get into, but uh, for me, this is Doc McStuffins has this. Yeah. I was going to say, that sounds like Doc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about what that means for Doc McStuffins in this hero's journey, <laughs> as we as people do with <laughs> Doc McStuffins. Hey, if anyone's going to talk about Doc McStuffins and the hero's journey and the hero overcoming their biggest obstacles, it's going to be this podcast. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to imply that Doc McStuffins is not worthy of that analysis. It absolutely is. Um, it just sounds like a funny sentence of words to like come out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so I think there's also the... I think there's a... For me, the fourth thing that is... The fourth satisfying ending is the world of the show has changed forever in some final twist. Like... Mm-hmm. The same adventures can't keep on happening, but presumably things do keep happening. Um, because we talked about We Bear Bears recently. At the end of the movie, they bring all those bears back to San Francisco and people, humans and bears coexist in the city. Presumably, Grizz, Panda, and Ice Bear keep having adventures, but now the world that they exist in is different. And mm-hmm. we're not seeing those episodes, but that's there. Um and I think there's also an unsatisfying version of this where the characters are separated forever and you don't feel good about that. Like, <sighs> because my husband's really into Power Rangers. I know a lot about Power Rangers now. Um, <laughs> not not as much a uh, final episode, but I remember there was one actor that had to leave the show in the middle of a season. So I've watched this with him where they write the character out and like her powers as a power ranger are stripped away and she's basically like killed off as a character in the middle of the season Mm -hmm. and replaced with a different person. Um, And that is, is not the actor's fault. It's not the show's fault. I think that there was, um, as I recall, there was some medical stuff going on. Like she had to leave the show, but as a viewer, that's a very unsatisfying thing to have. Mm -hmm. It's just like this weird feeling and in animation, obviously you're not going to like, not obviously, but you're not going to write out a character because the actor can't return. Oftentimes you just get a new voice actor, but shows do this. Um, the Simpsons with Mrs. Krabappel, like we know that she is a character is dead. We don't see that on screen, but they reference that. And it's just kind of like this hard thing. Uh, but that reflects the real life of people dying as well. Like it's just, they're gone and that's hard, but it's unsatisfying. <laughs> would, would you lump a character, main or otherwise, moving away, so leaving town, would you include that in, in there? Or is that somehow just changing the world in some final twist? How would you categorize that? I think it could go either way. These, these two, for me, are different sides of the same coin. It's very hard to walk that line. I think Harvey Girls Forever is successful in making mm-hmm. a satisfying ending. Because, of course, you have um, the the final twist is Lada and her family are moving away. Was it Lada? I think it was Lada. Yeah, it was Lada. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, I mean, that seems like forever ago that we talked to the writers and everyone about Harvey Girls Forever, but that was really just like six months ago. Uh, that was kind of a long time ago, though. It was, it was mean, the before times. Let's be real. <laughs> um, so Lada moves away, but they... Uh, in the show, they quickly say, like, yeah, Lada's moving, Richie's moving on, but they have their cell phones. They're going to keep getting together and have adventures and be friends. It just won't be quite the same thing. So to me, that's the world has changed forever in the show, but presumably new adventures could keep happening, much like We Bear Bears. Mm. Their friendship isn't altered, but their so their relationship is still together. Like that's not the thing that breaks. It's just their proximity. Yeah. What we love about the show will continue, but there's an actual like physical reason why there are no more episodes because they don't all live together. They don't mm-hmm. live on the same street anymore. Got it. So I for just me, wanted to. Yeah, no, the, it's hard for me to articulate all these, but for me, those are the four satisfying endings I could come up with. Plot ends and you return to normal life or number two, overcome your biggest obstacle 
and presumably the stories can keep happening forever and the hero will be fine. Number three, emotional or character arc resolution. And number four, there's some twist at the end and the show has changed. The world of the show has changed forever, but in a way that could continue satisfyingly, but differently. Hmm. Great. So in, in those four categories, what does a satisfying ending need to have? Like, is there something in there that is a part of each one of those? Uh, to me, that's like asking, like, what's the best taco? Um, <laughs> it, it's such a derisive, derisive topic? Um divisive topic and like depending where you are and your geography Mm. like what the best taco could vary even within that like everyone's gonna have their own flavor and taste like i like cilantro maybe you don't i don't know i think it depends on the dna of the show like what is satisfying in the end of a show is what was satisfying with the show all along Mm. and if you and which come out of left field to do something new with your ending that can be satisfying, uh, but it might not be. I'm trying to think of a good show that does something completely different in its final episode. Mm. I can't think of it because I think you're, I think you're very right. I think it has to be something that you're, that rhymes with, the beginning and is is part of that DNA. I think that's why we're so satisfied by things. I mean, it's not kid friendly and it's not animated, but for me, uh, the finale of Breaking Bad is so satisfying because it is a release to everything that's been building from the first episode. I think sometimes the best finales are ones where you watch the first episode. You skip everything, you watch the final episode, and you could still have an emotional release to that because the plot things don't really matter. You can catch up somehow and just say, oh, this is a fund- This is transformation. This is the character work. I see where they're going. I see what the journey was. I am fulfilled. Ah. And mm-hmm. I think the ah, I think that's an important <laughs> part of of an ending that you need to give your audiences is just that emotional release, that movement of now, now we're moving on. Now something you feel that you feel that something has ended, you feel changed, but you don't feel broken. You feel full, even though something is leaving your life. And it doesn't have to be, happy either right Um, like i love the ending of bojack horseman and that's not a happy ending it's not as much of a bummer as like the couple episodes before it which i'm sure we'll talk about soon (laughs) because emmy nominations are coming up Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so but you still like when the credits roll when the credits are done rolling you want to go ah like mm. after a nice, like really nice meal, like, oh, that was so good. I'm really full and my stomach hurts, but that was so good. So uh, to, to let's discuss the awe by looking at three different examples. So we're going to be looking at one example that is a three series wrap up to one giant myth building world thing, which is Wizards. The end of the, well, the supposed, what we thought was going to be the end to the um, Tales of Arcadia saga on Netflix. Spoilers, it's not. Uh, <laughs> the second example is the ending of a beloved family show near and dear to my heart, uh, which is Doc McStuffins. And then a show that has ended three times now that yeah, is not Futurama. You could say three endings. I think it's it's been continuous. That has been like start and stop like Futurama, but you could end at one of three points and probably be satisfied. Okay. 
which is Steven Universe. This time, Steven Universe colon future. I, I think that's important to say. The uh, punctuation mark colon. Correct. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Steven Universe colon future. Different show entirely. Right. It's far future medical exams. <laughs> You, those don't really happen until you're 50. That's what my doctor told me, which is why I got to, like, wait on that. Um, <laughs> so where, where shall we start? I love the, I love being in my 40s now. This is wonderful. Uh, where shall... <laughs> let's, let's start with Wizards, because at the time we chose this, as Chris mentioned, um, I think at the time it was known to be the final installment in Tales of Arcadia, but they have since announced that there is a movie coming straight to Netflix sometime next year. Um, so it'll be more story, but this might be a good example to talk about because it could end with the show. Um, it doesn't, we know that, but it could end, and that is one type of ending. Hmm. So give us a little spiel of what Wizards is. We'll give the slight... We'll give you a second. If you haven't watched this yet, we'll give you a slight little non-spoiler. And then we're going to go total spoiler to the very end scene to talk about the kind of ending this is. But Well, here, here's this little nugget. Give us a spoiler-free nugget of Wizards. So Wizards is the final of three shows in the Tales of Arcadia world, uh, which is from the mind of Guillermo del Toro um, and follows the adventures of various teenagers in this town called Arcadia um, in their magical adventures. And the first one, which is probably um, most famous and I think has much more pop culture clout now than even when it was out, uh, is Troll Hunters. So you have uh, hero Jim the Troll Hunter and his friends Toby and Claire helping him out as he defends this group of actual trolls that live under a bridge in their modern, like, American town in almost like a Stephen King, Maine, but I think it's a suburb of LA. Um, and the adventures they go on. And then you had three below, which is about two members of alien royalty that were exiled from their home world to the city of Arcadia and the crazy adventures they had there that sometimes overlap with the troll hunters and wizards is about another new character, uh, Duxy, who was in, the show is kind of in the background as well, and he is a 900-year-old wizard and former apprentice of Merlin, residing in the town of Arcadia as well, also going to the same high school as everyone else, as you do. Um, and it primarily, Wizards is a single 10-episode season that is his story, but has many of the older characters in it as well and gives you more color to their past or adds on to the end of their story as well. Like we have Jim and Claire and Toby in it from Troll Hunters uh, as well. Mm -hmm. It's it's like the, uh, it's be, being able to do a sequel and a prequel at the same time. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like let's do a prequel and... It's it's like the uh, <laughs> it's it's a little bit like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Let's do a sequel that does more like for our animation fans. Let's more like Lion King one and a half. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead for you know for those theater folks listening. But Troll Hunters goes full on prequel. Let's let's go to the, how this story completely got set up. Yeah, and while I, I enjoyed Wizards and found it satisfying, um, and because it's animation, it was certainly in the works prior to Avengers Endgame, but time travel has been really in right now, and while I haven't been disappointed in any of the time travel stories that I've experienced recently, animation or otherwise, I'm also just like, I'm time traveled out. <laughs> no more time travel, please. Can we be done for a while? Do you think this could have been told without the time travel? No, I don't. I think that this this story that they told needed the time travel and was set up that way. It was fun, and it was a great kids' show experience of time travel. Um, 
and again, totally satisfied. I think it worked well. Um, I I just think that that as a trope has been really in vogue lately. Mm-hmm. It would be so much easier to travel back in time and fix all the things that went went, went wrong several <laughs> years ago, several months ago. But I mean, even, especially with this being animation, like this was definitely being made in production well before <laughs> when things really started to go wrong in real life. So here's my question. The ending, without knowing that Troll Hunters 3 Below and Wizards had another end, which is Troll Hunters Rise of the Titans, knowing that if we imagine that that movie was not in existence, is the final episode of Wizards a satisfying end to everything that's come before? I do think so. Um, I think in the sense that it's in the type of um, the heroes have faced a great challenge um, and really none of their stories are necessarily done. Adventures could presumably continue forever, um, or at least until they're adults. Um, And they could show that, and they are showing that with Rise of the Titans, but also it feels like all the characters are at a point where the show could be done now, and I'd be just as satisfied. And spoilers, because spoilers, um, I think even the main plot of Wizards isn't really wrapped up in the final episode. We leave with like Duke still taking Nari and avoiding what were the two real main villains of the season. And they're still out there. Um, That isn't really resolved, but his character arc and his growth is resolved. And the plot is at a point where it's just like, these are adventures now. We're hiding and on the run. Because in a way, the the story of Wizards can't be satisfied or complete until the title is true, I suppose. <laughs> until there is a wizard. Until there are multiple wizards, you know. <laughs> I know that you think of Morgana as a wizard already. Um, but I think until Duxy grows into his own or his or Dukes, you know, grows into his own. I don't think that you can call until he reaches the class of wizard and is told by Merlin that here you are a wizard, here you've earned this, and he comes into his own, that that show can't be satisfied. But it does, it gets there. And we see him start to make his own decisions and create his own possibilities. Uh, Even though the main danger, as you said, is not fully wrapped up. We see the threat in the very last shot. They're still there and they found him. So whether he knows they're there, whether he's okay, going to be fine, we don't really know. And that's a weird comparison, especially for me. Um, It feels a lot like the ending of The Dark Knight Rises. (laughs) Mm. Batman's out there things could keep on happening we may or may not see more adventures in the Nolan Batverse Um, but they do keep happening in the world of the story Hmm. it does feel at times both to me it felt half and half. Like I was kind of unsatisfied because it felt like it was mostly set up to establish something. It felt like to me, it felt like a 10 part first episode of something. And then here's this final thing that's coming later. And I don't know if that's because my imagination was tainted by the fact of this (laughs) other movie coming, knowing that it didn't allow me. So I'm willing to say, it may have been a problem of knowing there's this actual end to it coming later on, but I don't know. I think I felt 80% satisfied that Wizards Wizards told the story that Wizards needed to tell, 
and closed it the only way that it could, knowing that there's something else. But seeing it as the close of Troll Hunters and the end of Three Below, it didn't feel like it shut the door on those two things as well, which I think I was kind of expecting as, oh, here's this third thing that's supposed to bring them together and wrap them up. See, to me, it feels like the Troll Hunter show wrapped up in a satisfying way, and this was a nice bookend to that, to see more of those three main characters together, and you get more story mm. with Jim and kind of like this additional resolution to the Jim story. Um, you see a lot of Jim being a troll and then him being like corrupted, then he fights the corruption and he's like gains back his human form. Um, so that was nice and like seeing more of Jim and Claire with their emotions and romance times on like the top surface level of the story. <laughs> um, I do agree there wasn't as much about three below in there and I think that uh, probably there was there was more to Wizards than could be told in 10 episodes and I because we do get Krell returning in the last half and he's there and helps them um, but doesn't add a ton more necessarily to the three below world or um, all the characters just really Krell mm-hmm. but I am satisfied uh, in terms of ending I am also excited there's more of this world because it is such a gregarious original world that I want to see more of and the character design and their powers are always so interesting and fascinating and there's so much thought put into all of it Mm -hmm. Um, so I I would be happy if even the next movie weren't the end of it and it really like each new thing adds more bookends I would be totally happy with that too (laughs) (laughs) so what and what type of ending would you expect from Rise of the Titans. I think I have to wait until we're getting closer. Maybe there's a trailer. If it gets billed as the true final end, I would expect the plot ends and the characters return to their normal lives somehow. Whatever that means. Mm. And I think for a lot of these characters, their normal lives don't exist anymore and can't exist anymore. So I think there'd be a new normal, but there'd be some kind of peace in the world maybe they don't have to fight there presumably couldn't be more adventures to go on at the end of rise of the titans if they build it that way understood okay good so i'm gonna hold you to that we're gonna we'll listen back to this episode when we come back to that ending whatever that looks like i look forward to talking about that with you um should we talk about Doc McStuffins now and how this one differs from the other two? Or should we talk about Steven? I think Doc McStuffins is a good one to get to next. Um, and you should talk about it because I think you've definitely watched more Doc McStuffins than I have in my <laughs> life. Um, but I do enjoy it and I have seen the handful of episodes. So for those of you who don't know who Doc McStuffins is, um, please uh Remain out from under your rocks. It's a beautiful world that we have uh, that's in a hopeful resurgence. Uh, (laughs) Doc McStuffins is about a young girl who is a doctor to her stuffed animals. That's the basic plot. And she heals them um, and diagnoses their their boo-boos and fixes them. That's the technical term she uses. So uh, she she takes care of them. And as the world has grown over the course of its five season, she is now in charge of the McStuffinsville Toy Hospital, which is a magical, what do I want to say? It's a magical dimension that she can visit using her magical stethoscope, which I think early on, you may question whether she imagines her toys are coming to life. And then somewhere around season two or three, we learn that no, her stethoscope is actually a magical gift from her grandmother that can actually, actually does bring the toys to life and helps her visit 
McStuffinsville that exists in an alternate plane where time on Earth does not pass. So it's, it gets really heady in some ways, but also not because it's small enough for young kids, younger groups. Um, my son Jack, from two years old, he was Doc McStuffins for Halloween. It's hard to believe that he's going to turn eight in a few weeks. Um, so that's strange. But uh, he, he loved Doc McStuffins because it was at times emotional and dealt with what kids might feel about going to see the doctor, but also inviting kids to be a caring, empathetic person to others and their toys and to themselves. I think that pretty much sums, sums up Doc McStuffins. Yeah, I think that's fair. And for those of you who have a hard time still conceiving of that, it's like Toy Story meets ER um, on Disney Junior. Mm. Yeah, good way of putting that. But it's the way that it's designed is that it's not quite The Simpsons where the world totally resets, you know, at the end of every episode. There is still advancement. There is character growth. But it's not serialized in that I could pick up something from season four and get a satisfying story. And I can go back to season one, get a satisfying story. I may be slightly confused in season four why everyone's in lab coats, but it's like, oh, now they're interns or they're veterinarians or they're going over here. But I sh it's not going to take me a lot of plot time to re recognize what's happening or where what's really going on because the story is not... How do I want to put this? It's not exposition dependent. There is a current necessary plot that's happening in this episode that is self-contained that will then get resolved somehow. And then once that's resolved, everything's better. And then we'll reset for the next one in 12 minutes or in some cases, rare cases, 22. And the world, I think, builds on itself season over season, too. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think... Not having seen a lot of them, like, coming in, like, oh, there's a whole, like, McStuffinsville toy world now compared to season one when I was maybe last watching. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is different now. Okay. But the I, I feel like the... The nice things are the character relationships are not shortchanged. We know who the characters are. And yes, they are archetypes. And in some ways, Stuffy the Dragon is still the same Stuffy the Dragon from season one. But he's a stuffed animal, and you would expect him to remain that way. And it's a nice, comfortable thing that he is. He's there, and I'm not saying that he's not growing, but that he's consistent as who he is in his relationship with Doc. He may grow in his experiences, but he's always who he needs to be to Doc and for Doc. Same thing with Chili the snowman, who is a hypochondriac, um, afraid of everything, scared that he's going to melt, not realizing that always has to be reminded that he's a toy. But... He, uh, that doesn't change, but who he is, he's a little bit stronger, he's a little bit braver, but not completely all the way. I think in some ways, these toy problems and these toy things that they're working through are just lifelong things that all humans have. You know, we don't, there are some things that you just don't grow out of, but you're maybe able to control a little bit more through the support of your friends, the support of your family, through the support of yourself or other things that you gain in life. And you are who you are. So tell me about what happens in the final episode, because I think our 
our listeners could probably expect this is a Disney Junior show and there's not going to be some epic fight with a main villain or anything. Um, but there's yeah. still an ending. There is. And I was, I was really interested to see what kind of ending it would be. There's part of me that wanted to see um, a 30-year-old doc or a 20-year-old doc in, you know, in college or med school or something, um, or a 70-year-old doc, you know, with her grandchild, because knowing that the magic skips a generation, it would have to be her grandchild that she would be passing things on to. Um, but it wasn't any of those. And I'm glad <laughs> that it wasn't. In some way, I'm like, ooh, let's let's see this because I care about these characters and I'm curious about what was going on. But knowing that that would be wrong for the DNA, as, as we were talking about, the DNA of the show doesn't really want Doc to shift out of this world. We want to just have Doc experience possibly her greatest obstacle, her greatest challenge, which is doubting herself. Uh, and we see this in this episode. Doc is facing all the problems of running a hospital. There's a new aquatic wing being added to the hospital. So inflatable pools for all the water toys. It's going to be a great facility. So she's overseeing the building of that. She has lots of patients coming through. She's trying to train other you know, other toys to help take care of it, to, to take care of everybody. She's putting other people on exams. She's hiring a new staff for the new aquatic wing. So she has those interviews going on. Um, Ten minutes in, and I'm stressed out for her. <laughs> like, I'm having panic attacks about everything that she needs to get done. And she's not sleeping, or she's not getting quality sleep. Uh, so yeah, it's we like, know that we've all been there, girl. We get you. I, was, I know. It's like, oh, this is this is real. This is real. That what she's experiencing, and no six-year-old, seven-year-old needs to <laughs> deal with this much stress. Um, so Doc goes to sleep, and she has a dream. Uh, the old "It's a Wonderful Life," where you doubt, like I am. She's doubting whether she is actually helping her presence and what she's doing is actually making a difference. And I think we've all hit that moment of, I don't think I'm helping. I think people would be better off without me. Hmm. And because it's a Disney Junior show, she has a dream instead of attempting suicide uh, about... <laughs> Thankfully. And gets, <laughs> thankfully. And gets to experience what all these characters have, all these problems that she solved in the first season and the second season. Simple things like removing gum from a night doll, Sir Kirby, and the evil king, or wicked king, sorry. Uh, they're being stuck together by gum and the fact that she didn't solve them, solve that problem. They didn't get to be friends because they just hated each other because they were just stuck to each other and all these other little problems that she solved and to see how devastating her not solving these things were for these toys. Um, and then coming to the realization of I did make a difference and I can continue to make a difference I just need to sleep and reassess things. And now I'm ready. I'm ready to go back. Um, and we get the feeling that this world is going to continue on. And while there is a big emotional change, the world itself hasn't shifted away. She's just going to go, she's going to open the aquatic wing and the world will continue. Mm-hmm. And her adventures will continue. But she's overcome her greatest obstacle so far, which is not something with her, not a problem her patients have. It's her own problems with herself, her emotional problems. And she's mm -hmm. overcome them. And we 
if she's already running a hospital and hiring people <laughs> at like three <laughs> and fixing all these toys and having this stressful life, like we know she can do it. She has all the skills that she needs. Uh, she just needs to know that she can do it. And that's what she learns in this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nice because we know that if Doc McStuffins continues in streaming and on actual TV, which I guess some people still watch, you know, live TV that happens in real time, that an episode will come up and it doesn't matter. It could happen after that. It could happen before that. But Doc's story can can continue. Doc is still out there taking care of toys who need her. Mm-hmm. So I was satisfied. And I'm sure many of the viewers will never really realize that that is the final episode or last episode. But for any parents that are watching along with the kids, they can see then go like, ah, that's great. So there are more <laughs> adventures. We can make up those adventures with Talk McStuffins. We just rewatch old ones. It's lots of possibility, but the story continues, just not on TV. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to 20 years from now with the Doc McStuffins reboot. That'll, that'll be fun. If it takes 20 years, we'll see. I was trying to think it's live that. action. <laughs> I don't know that it would work as live action. Well, not now, but in 20 years. It's all VR. Every episode you take the perspective of a toy. Please fix me, Doc. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's a second type of ending that is satisfying. Um, and I think in animation, getting into any of the more complex endings is, is hard. Uh, but there is another show that ended this year. Steven Universe Future that I think gets into the emotional resolution mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, it kind of does both at once, though, in some ways. The emotional and forever changing the world. Yeah. So it's I think that's fair. I mean, this, <laughs> the show has always been about emotions anyway, so it's the changes. Oh, we, we understand all the emotions now. We're good. Um, <laughs> the world has changed things happen but not uh, in the same way that they have been happening and as you mentioned Chris the this could have had three different endings there's the ending of the first five seasons of just Steven Universe where there is a overarching plot that is concluded and then you have Steven Universe the movie which is a nice bookend of like well actually the plot of the show affects more than just the people who are in the show. And here's the perspective of a bystander who is around that provides this additional like 90 minutes of screen time. And Steven Universe's future, I think is all about the emotional repercussions of those first two endings. Um, Cause this show is well, a high fantasy, high concept, um, kids and teen animated show with lots of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, It is grounded in very real emotions and emotional arcs and experiences that people have, which can make the show more real in many ways than other things. It's like BoJack Horseman, like the emotions there are real emotions and you can see yourself in those shoes and feeling those things and it hits you hard but you are not yourself a talking anthropomorphic horse who was on a famous show in the 90s. <laughs> Though some of us are, I would assume. Some of us have been there, not naming names. <laughs> um, so while we all haven't uh, dealt with the repercussions of your mother becoming you and your mother also lying about who she was and being a ruler of the universe, um, we can feel the emotions of growing up and betrayal and complex ideas of adulthood and trauma from your parents and <laughs> yeah. Cause whether you want or not, everyone has trauma from their parents and that's okay. That just happens. I mean, it's not okay. You need to work through those things, but there's nothing like you as a parent or kid could have done differently. It's going to happen one way or another. 
So Steven Universe Future is provides a whole season of breathing space for Steven to work through his emotions after the end of the plot. Like since he was a baby, he's had this usefulness and like being a defender of earth. And what does that look like without an existential threat to earth's existence? What does that look like knowing that there are other people out there? His mom is hurt and he can never make that all better. What does it feel like to have all the trauma of like going through these adventures and getting hurt so many times in so many ways um, and not really dealing with those things. And what does it feel like to not have gone to school or have had a normal childhood and now be growing up and gaining emotional maturity with your peers who have had a more or less normal life and seeing what you've missed and not knowing things. What is that like for him? And this whole season is just about that and this festering anger um disquiet with his experiences and him not having dealt with that um which because it's a cartoon fantastically manifest as a legitimate uh giant monster instead of just this specter of teenage angst hmm Is there anything you would add to that, Chris? I don't know if there's anything I can add to that. That, <laughs> that is just, I'm still trying to process that. That's just, that, that is it. Because it's amazing that a show that is mostly built on 10 minute episodes can pack such huge emotions. They're like, they're like capsules of emotion. You just take them and you're just right there and you can swallow it. Um, I know that one of my great goals of the end of this year going into 2021 is to watch the full series of Steven Universe because I've skipped around and seen some. But I have seen the first episode multiple times and now watching this very final, final episode and ignoring anything in the middle. Uh, if you just see the first episode and the final episode, um, I was, I was, I was crying at the end of that episode, not knowing anything that had happened in the middle. Uh, I mean, not anything, but because we've talked about Stephen Universe, I don't want you to think I didn't do my homework <laughs> during those episodes <laughs> where we discussed the Stephen Universe episodes, but not having the full extent and the full range of everything that's happened in the Steven Universe universe. That final episode was just such a small and intense feeling of what it means to transform your life, to say goodbye, and to become your own person and to make your own decisions about your life that it just hit me as I was thinking about myself. I was thinking about, you know, future Jack saying goodbye. Um, it just was, oh, God, no, no, not, not now. He's only turning eight, Chris. It's okay. I know, I know. So I'm, I'm going to make it through this episode. Oh, my God. Stephen Universe. But... Um, <laughs> But like I said, it allows these characters to be surrogates because it is so, um, what's the word, authentic. They don't lie about it and they don't let characters be false. It doesn't feel fake. It feels like they're being honest and true and that is so different and refreshing to have characters say what they're feeling and experience their emotions. And yes, in a slightly um, accentuated and exaggerated way, because tears don't fly out of our faces like garnets, but <laughs> that it was this emotional release that's really, really true. And I just remember after that episode ended, just sitting there and just 
sitting <laughs> and not knowing what to do next. It was just an extended, ah, it's just, <laughs> it was just there having to sit with that experience. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was satisfying. Yeah, very satisfying. Although a bummer of an episode sometimes, and in some ways, like Bojack can be, it's it's satisfying. That's the emotional denouement. To have a satisfying emotional ending, I think you have to get into some sad stuff. Mm -hmm. it, you have to be authentic with it, too. Mm -hmm. You have to be authentic with what's changing. Because I think if nothing... <laughs> If the character or the world hasn't changed, then why did you tell the story in the first place? Yeah, like, that's a good point. Why, why did we bother for five seasons if nothing has changed? And why did you tell the story if the things that have changed aren't the things that you told us were going to change at the very, very beginning? So, I mean, it's all in the Cookie Cat song. It is. It's all there. I, I really enjoyed Cookie Cat coming back. I don't think anyone, even working on the show, expected to make it long enough and emotionally far enough to, like, make Cookie Cat the emotional linchpin. <laughs> <laughs> he left his family behind. Uh, Cookie Cat's going to make me cry and also hungry. I was just... I have to change my favorite thing because my favorite thing, looking, you know, you talking through Stephen Universe, it has to be the return of Cookie Cat. Like that, <laughs> when Garnet says he left his family behind, I feel like that is my favorite thing because it was both things at once. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a rhyme with the first episode. It was a very true emotional thing for Garnet. And that it was the one moment where she is truthful about what's happening before the ending. Mm -hmm. She's think it's about Stephen. He left his family behind. It's not really about the cookie at that point. So it's just silly and moving at the same time. And don't we love things that are two things at once, much like a sandwich? <laughs> much like a cookie cat sandwich. Much like a cookie cat sandwich. I even forgot that the cookie cat came back in it until you reminded me just now. And I, I think it's great that in our list of example endings earlier, I was talking about lost and rhyming with the first episode. And here, Steven Universe does that exact same thing for the exact same type of ending. So it's three. It's three. It's, it rhymes with the very first episode and, and then creates the emotional denouement. And then it forever transforms the world mm -hmm. with a character leaving and... It's not like they'll never talk again, but for the time being, he's gone. Well done. Three in one. <laughs> again, like the ice cream and a cookie cat sandwich. Three things sandwiched together. <sighs> Just excellent. Did you have a favorite thing? I know I just said mine, but did you have a favorite thing? I think my favorite thing, uh, I think, means more having watched the whole show. But I, I in in the Steven Universe future, like, group hug moment, I really enjoyed that Steven's dad was there without hesitation as well. Because I, I love Greg Universe as a character for so many reasons. I just think that he's just this wonderful human being, human um, who doesn't understand anything that his son is up to, even though he himself like had a child with a magical space rock creature that resulted in Steven being born. Um, he's just such a wonderful, wonderful doofus. Um, but he's not really like, he's never really been a fighter. He doesn't really give good advice, but um, in this moment where he's faced with um a challenge and a monster that is his son. He unwaveringly goes in for the hug as well because his son needs him. It's not a fight. It's an emotional moment. Hmm. So just like that little character moment, that twist is still, I think something new, but in line with the characters throughout the show have been doing. And it, it was just, a, it was really nice. I liked it. Favorite thing. 
check. Ah. Oh, there, there it was again. It came back. Ah. Oh. <sighs> I feel satisfied. Oh, I guess we. I, I guess we're at the end. Should we talk about homework time? Let's. For your homework, we're going to be going back to something else satisfying. We're going to be looking at Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but doing a breakdown, getting really into the nitty-gritty of how one single scene works. We're talking about the live scene. You know the one. Assuming you've seen the movie, you know the one. (laughs) Let's hope. Uh, a new thank you to Emily DeSalt and Leslie Vincent, otherwise known as the Champagne Drops, for jazzing up our theme music composed by Jacob Reed. Hopefully you've heard it. You'll hear Emily and Leslie again at the end of this. You just heard them for homework time, too. Oh, I just love our new theme music. It's so fun. And also thank you, as always, to Nigel Catino, our engineer. And find us on the web. Let us know about your favorite animated endings on Twitter, at WG Animated. Find our show notes and links to other shows that we've recently talked about, our endings. Listen to those shows. Writersgetanimated.podbean.com. Like us on Facebook. Give us a review. Let your friends know that we're talking about things that we all love in the animated world. <sighs> ah. Good night, everybody. <laughs>